Hi, I'm Andrea Tallison, an anti-diet intermittent fasting coach, and this is the Intuitively Intermittent Podcast. My mission is to provide women who want the health benefits of intermittent fasting with the community, resources, and coaching they need to not feel stuck on yet another diet. This podcast is one of those resources. Please be sure to seek out medical advice from a doctor or healthcare provider, as this podcast is intended for educational purposes only. Thank you for being here. Now, let's dive in. Hi, everybody. Andrea here for a solo show that I'm hoping this ends up being helpful. Um, it's It would be really useful if I were able to have a conversation with the person. Um, well, I guess let me give you a little bit of context here. So this, um, this episode was inspired by a post that an acquaintance of mine wrote on Facebook. The scenario um, is that they had done the keto diet in the past and been successful in their view by having lost weight and that they had stopped following keto these past few months as a result of the pandemic and um, they said that it wasn't worth it during the pandemic that they were seems like they were enjoying um, the process of making homemade pizza dough and sourdough bread and so they fell off the keto wagon and Um, the inference that I took from this post was that they had gained back the weight that they had previously lost doing keto. And so in this post, they were recommitting publicly so that their friends could hold them accountable to sticking with keto. And um, this was one of those situations in which I, I really wanted to reply in the comments, but um, exercised self-restraint because it the the stuff that I would have replied with really wasn't what was being asked um, and so there was useful insights though that I wanted to share with you and I'm hoping that you will find these reflections useful I think it would be more useful if I were able to have a conversation with this person like a coaching call and ask them these questions in person because what I'm expecting will come out of this particular episode is that you'll hear me ask a lot of questions but I won't have answers to them because I'm not actually able to engage in the conversation with the person who made the post Um, and so like how I would suggest you use this episode is if you have found yourself having um, similar experiences where you feel like you've you know felt fell off the wagon in quotes um, and then find yourself recommitting to getting back on the wagon again in quotes um, you could use these questions that I'll outline in this episode to help you decide if something is perhaps out of alignment for you Uh, and so the the questions that I'm going to ask are based on a framework that I'm Formalizing, I'm calling it my Freedom for Life framework. And if you're in the IF community at all, you'll 
um, you would recognize the L with the star IF star E. So it's sort of um, accentuating the, the IF part in the word life. So my Freedom for Life framework. And the framework starts with looking at our values. And when I say values, I mean that things that are important to me that I can ultimately use to help guide my food choices so that at the end of the day, I feel more in alignment and peaceful in my relationship with food. And the the thing that jumped out to me in my acquaintances post was this idea that keto didn't feel worth it during the pandemic. I mean, we're still in the pandemic, honestly, but um, I think, you know, we're, as I'm recording this, it's the middle of July. Um, Lockdown in our area happened in the middle of March. So it's been April, May, June, July, four months of pretty restrictive uh, movement and whatnot. So um, the idea that, that keto wasn't worth it during the pandemic. So if I think about the value of joy, which is something that's really important to me, I'd, I'd want to know if um, if you even enjoy eating that way. So actually, I just want to, sort of thinking out loud here, I'm going to phrase my questions in terms of you. I realize that you may not have these specific questions, or it may be that you have these questions with something other than keto, and I'm really hoping that you as my listener can adapt them in a way that feels meaningful for you. Um, but I'd rather do that than just say, I hope this person, you know, dot, dot, dot. I think that'll get harder to listen to. So um, on the value of joy, do you even like eating this way? Um, and a value that another value that I um, cherish is this idea of connection. And I'd wonder if eating keto prevents you from connecting with your family in some way. Because if... If it does, then keto may not actually be in alignment with that particular value. Uh, On the value of follow-through, I would want to know what made it so challenging to follow through with the diet during the pandemic in particular. Uh, And then on the topic of accountability, I'd be interested in knowing what is it about keto or whatever diet you're following that prevents you from being accountable to yourself and why why is it that you need other people to hold you accountable in this instance and then i had some thoughts on the in the post um there was a phrase of you know keto works but dot 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 um and so on this notion that it works there's this sense of personal failure that you did something wrong and there's a reason that we hear all the time that diets don't work and it's because they don't right like if when i when i refer to a diet i'm referring to something that has a short-term goal that's intended to be accomplished and then after that goal is accomplished it's you know it's a short-term sacrifice to get it's like a means to an end right and as soon as you get to the end you can go back to something that's more in alignment and feels normal well if you there's this 
implied restriction then associated with a diet and your body is designed to protect you and if you are restricting for any period of time as soon as you stop restricting your body is going to go into survival mode again and try to protect you by regaining that weight and so diets really don't work Um, there's plenty of evidence that suggests that Um, and so when we think about are eating, we really need to find something that feels like it's in alignment. And that's why my framework starts with this idea of values and really defining what's important to us. Because if however you're eating doesn't align for you, it's going to end up in a regular cycle of being on or off the wagon at any particular point in time. And there's also studies that show that weight cycling and the, you know, the constant back and forth between gaining weight and losing weight is ultimately more harmful to our bodies than just being at a stable higher weight. So we'd be better off making peace at a higher weight than continuing to fight our body's natural tendency um, to protect us after we go through a period of restriction. So then the next thing I wanted to comment on is this idea of needing to be held accountable by our friends for a particular decision. And I'm speaking from my personal experience here, like anytime I've ever done that, there's a sense of guilt or shame if I don't ultimately follow through. And I'm going to link to a particular podcast that I recently listened to that I'm still processing. It was an episode um, of Brene Brown's new podcast called Unlocking Us. And she talked about um, shame and accountability. And it was in the context of some of the race stuff that's going on right now uh, in the United States. And um, But I found there was a lot of conversation in there about shame and guilt that was really helpful in my own understanding of those. Um, And so I'm going to link to that in the episode show notes. Um, And so, you know, being held accountable by our friends, if we don't ultimately follow through on whatever it is we've stated, there's a sense of letting our friends down. And um, I know that could easily lead to feeling guilty or being, you know, feeling ashamed of that lack of uh, follow through. And then this this I hadn't talked about previously with regards to this post, but there was um, there was this sense in the comments of you can do this, you know, you've got this, and I find that concerning for a couple reasons. One is it doesn't consider the possibility that this way of eating keto might not actually be a good fit for you, right? So I feel like our normal diet culture makes it pretty normal to encourage each other when we say, oh, we're trying a new diet and oh, you've got this, way to go, you can totally do this, you know, cheering you on. But what if it's actually not a good fit? Then we're getting support from loved ones on something that ultimately feels out of alignment. And that even makes this sense of um, accountability and then feeling guilty or ashamed of not following through. I, I feel like that makes that even potentially worse. And it makes it also sound like it's about willpower and perseverance, right? Like the willpower to avoid the the bad foods, end quote, or persevering through the diet. And 
those those concepts are really associated with diet thinking and if anything they perpetuate the diet roller coaster that I'm I'm personally trying to get off of and um, you know from feedback I've gotten from you uh, and the folks in my Facebook group, I know that you're trying to probably get off that diet roller coaster too. So um, I've talked a little bit about the values part of the framework. I want to shift to this notion of motivation. And that's the next piece of my Freedom for Life framework. And just a few questions here. There's probably going to be less um, personal commentary more just the questions that I'll focus on here. Um, if you knew that you wouldn't actually lose weight doing keto, would you still do it? Uh, if this is this a way of life that you would actually is this a way of eating rather that you would actually be happy following indefinitely? And if you knew now that you would lose weight, but you know, gain it all back because you don't actually want to do keto forever, would you still do it? And I think that those questions help us assess our motivation for doing something before we even start. Uh, and I've this has been coming up for me as I've been reading uh, Jen Stevens' new book, Fast Feast Re- Repeat, and I'll link to that um, in the show notes in case you want to check it out. But, you know, she talks about a few of the health benefits of, of fasting. And there's this question for me of what if, what if those particular health benefits weren't available to me, right? Like there's this, I feel like we too often think about, um, like it's a, you know, it's guaranteed results for everybody and our bodies are, don't necessarily work that way. So, you know, would I still try IF if I knew that these health benefits weren't going to happen for me? And if the answer is no, then maybe that's not actually a choice that's in alignment for me. So the next part of the framework is really taking a look at what you eat. And the thing, the reason I'm mentioning this is because the the Facebook post talked about um, turning to um, pizza dough and sourdough bread during the pandemic. And so I'd be curious to look at the foods you have found yourself eating during the pandemic, or during the past few months anyway, and looking at how you view them. Like, are they viewed as treats or as things that are sort of inherently bad for you, such that eating them during this stressful time ends up feeling especially rewarding and if the answer is yes that it feels particularly rewarding to eat these things then is there a way that you can normalize them somehow um, so that they feel just like any other food and not necessarily as some sort of a special treat and I think about like for me this has worked in terms of um, like chocolate for example um, or like the salty crunchy snacks like potato chips or crackers Um, by making those things available to me on a daily basis if I wanted them but then also just incorporating them into my everyday life I find that I even during this stressful time I am not I'm not abusing those foods in some way, um, and certainly not in the ways that I would have abused them in the past when I was um, less in tune with 
my eating and my food choices. So the next piece of the framework is really looking at when you eat. And I'd be curious to know if during the past few months, um, if you found yourself eating before you were actually hungry or um, if you found yourself waiting well past the point of hunger, you know, out of this sense that you should, um, you know, well, I've, I've been gaining weight and therefore I really need to hold off and, you know, wait longer, whether it's, you know, fasting or not, like that doesn't matter, right? Like you can, all of us, regardless of whether or not we follow some sort of a IF pattern, can eat or not eat before or after the point at which we're, we're hungry. Um, and so how has, um, you know, this first few months of the pandemic impacted your decision about when you first eat? And then, you know, also when you eat, like after you break your fast, whether it's, you know, 10 hour fast or 20 hour fast, how how are you making decisions about when you eat throughout the day? Like if you find yourself snacking for comfort throughout the day, all of those things. Um, And then as far as like when you stop eating for the night, I know for me personally, I have been more inclined to turn to um, like have some dessert or maybe a beer or something after my, after having finished eating. Um, And that's something that has been influenced by the stressful situation of the pandemic for sure and in some cases with the you know with my after dinner eating like I probably am full and so I the point in this particular area of the framework is really looking at when we're eating before you know are we eating when we we're hungry are we stopping when we're full Um, how are our choices in those two areas being impacted. And then um, the last part of the framework is really looking at why we eat. And with this specific example, I'd wonder if eating um, or the process of creating the homemade dough has become some sort of a recreational activity when there hasn't been much else to do. Um, You know, there's nothing wrong with having hobbies and you know, in, in this case, being able to physically enjoy the, the tastes of that labor. Um, and so if I were trying to troubleshoot this with someone who was struggling with having, you know, found this meaningful connection to the process of making dough, I would want to know if, um, if there were other hobbies that would potentially be able to fill a void that that has um, been filling that process of making the bread and dough. Uh, Again, I'm not like, I hope it's not coming across as I'm being, um, like there's nothing wrong, right or wrong with this inherently, right? It's about how we think about it and how we process it and then um, what impact it's having on us and how we choose to work through that. so then the other thing um, regarding why you why you eat is has this has eating um, become a coping mechanism for dealing with stress or loneliness or boredom um, within the principles of intuitive eating like it you have to acknowledge that um, even even normal eaters you know in quotes 
eat emotionally sometimes, but if we want to find balance, we need to get to a place where we are making choices regarding how we are using food. And if, if we're stressed out, food may be a useful tool, but it may not ultimately be the tool that's going to help relieve our stress. So we need to constantly be thinking about um, what, what our needs are as far as working through things. Um, so I hope that some of these reflections have been helpful. In the context of a coaching session, it's easier to have a more dynamic conversation. Um, you know, this was, a, again, some reflections that I've had based on uh, an acquaintance's Facebook post. So it's a little bit um, tricky to know exactly the thoughts and all of that that's going on or the rationale behind whatever's been happening these past three months. But um, I'm, I'm hoping that this these musings will have ended up being helpful for you in some day for in some way um and so if you are interested in um doing some of this sort of reflection on your own there's a couple resources that i want to make available to you one um there's an intuitive eating self-assessment that has been used in academic research uh, for many years and um, i've adapted that for online use and I'll link to that in the show notes. You could take it and see which areas of intuitive eating are um, the currently the biggest challenge for you. And then um, I'm, I'd like to make available something that I've been doing with the Facebook group, and it's just it's been really rewarding. Um, when when people have been joining the Facebook group um, and they've provided an email address for follow-up I've been offering them a one-time coaching call and it's been um, incredibly rewarding and um, it seems from the feedback I've gotten that it's been transformational for the folks that I've connected with and so I want to try making that available to you as a listener of this podcast Um, and so the process I'll include a link to my calendar within the show notes Um, But the process would be that you would take this online assessment, um, which again will also be linked in the show notes, and then you would schedule a call and we would talk about the results and talk through something that is particularly challenging for you right now. And I hope that that would help you, um, you know, get feel a little bit more peaceful and have a direction to... um, you know, eating more in alignment. So, um, you know, thank you for listening. I hope that you have gotten some useful things out of this episode. And as always, you know, head into the Facebook group and share your thoughts. And I look forward to connecting with you there. Have a good day. Thanks again for listening to the Intuitively Intermittent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you may be wondering what happens next. Whenever you are ready, here are three additional ways I can support you. First, head over to the Intuitively Intermittent Facebook group. It's made up of people just like you and is a safe space in which to find support and ask questions. Second, the group coaching program based upon my Freedom for Life framework starts up several times a year. The best place to stay informed about that will be in the Facebook group as well. Please share your interest and your email address in the entry questions for the group. Lastly, 
I do work with a limited number of one-on-one coaching clients. If you resonate with me and my message and want to see if working together is a good fit, please send an email to hello at thiswellseasonedlife.com and I'll reach out to you to set up a time to talk. Enjoy the rest of your day and remember, your value as a person cannot be measured in inches and pounds.